Good evening. Elvis Presley died today. He was 42. Apparently, it was a heart attack. He was found at his home in Memphis, not breathing. His road manager tried to revive him. He failed. A hospital tried to revive him. It failed. His doctor pronounced him dead at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. It's the show that takes you inside the unbelievable, the ooky, the spooky, the macabre, the bizarre, anything else you'd like, I'd like, or Caroline would like, and tries to find an answer. I'm the titular Sean. And I'm the very titular Carrie. And you can probably guess, based on that audio intro there, uh, what we're going to be talking about. But my lovely bride is going to tell me all about... Well, why don't you tell them, Carrie? Well, Sean, we're both big fans of Elvis Presley, I'd say, right? Uh, yeah, voice, voice of an angel, uh, waistline <laughs> of a bacon addict. Heart of a devil. Uh, yeah, I mean, I even walked down the aisle to an instrumental of Can't Help Falling in Love at our wedding for every, anyone out there who wants to um, barf right now. But, you know, that was our one of our wedding songs. Elvis has been an icon, one of those people that's basically always been known to me ever since I was little. And of course, you know, you have the iconic look, um, which is like the white jumpsuit, the big black hair, the gold sunglasses. He's karate kicking all over the place. That's close to death, Elvis, right? Yeah, but that's kind of how a lot of people remember him. That's like the first thing that comes to mind. It's like Mickey Mouse's ears. You think of the white jumpsuit, the gold sunglasses and... A little bit of a gut. Um, but he was, you know, he was more than that. He was an amazing singer and he was the king of rock and roll. His death on August 16th, 1977 shocked the world. But Sean, what if he didn't really die that day? What if, Caroline? Uh, my uh, dad, actually, I've told you this, but our audience probably doesn't know that my uh, dad handed down to me a uh, an unripped Elvis ticket stub that's, uh, well, somewhere in my sister's basement. <laughs> I say handed down I'm, to me. Yeah, I want that. It's, yeah. in, it's in the family annals. Nice. Um, an unripped ticket stub from uh, an Elvis concert he was supposed to attend the week after the king died. Mm-hmm. Or, I guess, started his retirement? What are we saying here? <laughs> well, depending on how things have shaken out over the years, Elvis could possibly still be alive. This week, our patrons voted for me to tackle the Elvis Presley death hoax conspiracy. Now, if you want to get in on voting for different topics and things like that, you can go to patreon.com slash ain't it scary, sign up there. And that's kind of what I'm going to go into. I'm going to go into the idea that Elvis might still be alive. Well, or at least might have still been alive in like After 1977, yeah. Because now he would be how old? When was Elvis born? He would be close to his 90s, if not in his 90s. Oh, he could still be kicking it. He could still be pulling <laughs> Karate kicking it. Ed Sullivan moves at uh, 90. Who knows? That's true. And this episode is also sponsored by one of our favorite local record stores, which is perfect, Static Era Records. Static Era is an independent record label with a brick-and-mortar shop just steps from the Metro North in Milford, Connecticut. We go there. Um, they feature new releases and used vinyl and all different genres of music. And you could even uh, trade in or sell the vinyl that you have. It's a pretty cool place. 
Yeah. I love Jay Reason, the owner uh, of the label and the shop, is a uh, champion of the local scene and Mm -hmm. um, just a real sweet guy. Obviously. So he's in he's involved with this episode and um it's it's very apt because Elvis is the king of rock and roll and well, don't hang that around Jay's neck. I don't <laughs> think Jay's claiming Elvis is still alive. No. But he, he's sponsoring this episode and that's uh, very good because my favorite way to listen to old music is on records and on vinyl um because you kind of get that old-timey feel with it. So, yeah, if you want to pick up some of your own records from them you can go to staticerarecords.com and let them know that and it's scary sent you i love the ritual of putting on a vinyl me um, too more than the you know it's not about the the sound or, or whatever but i love uh I, i'm a, a listen to a full album guy anyway i love albums and, having to uh, flip it over and taking it out of the sleeve putting it on dropping the needle the whole uh ritual makes you pay more attention to the music i think absolutely feels great yeah so, yeah, we're big fans of that in this household. We have a whole little record collection going. And um, some of those albums are from Elvis himself. Well, he recorded them. He didn't give them to me. But anyway. Yeah, he did his, his personal <laughs> copy of Elvis's Christmas album. <laughs> well, let's get into the conspiracy, Sean. Elvis Aaron Presley was born January 8th, 1935. And already his life was marred with some tragedy. He was actually a twin, but his brother, Jesse Guerin Presley, was still born 35 minutes before him. Yeah. So he was the only surviving one of the pair. Elvis ate up too much of that womb food. Stop. It's true. (laughs) Nevertheless, Elvis persisted. He rose to fame with Sun Records in Memphis, Tennessee, with his first hit Heartbreak Hotel reaching number one on the charts with the backing of record label RCA Victor. And at that point, he never reached obscurity in his lifetime again. He joined the military in 1958, returned home to the U.S. in 1960 to relaunch his career, and he spent the next decade starring in a series of musical comedy films. Usually, he'd have a single that would come out, and it would be the same name as the film. They'd both be very successful. Um, That was his vibe. I feel like Elvis was the most attractive um, white package that white record executives ever found to repackage black music with. Yes, and that's exactly what they were doing with him. Um, even his dancing was very scandalous because it was like too sexy, even though he was like the whitest white boy ever. Um, but the girls loved it, Sean. Couldn't show his hips on Ed Sullivan, no, famously. No, they had to do a medium shot of just waist up. So everyone in the audience was like, ah, ah. All were, we saw was just kind of him swaying a little bit. Because they were afraid it would just be waterfalls on every couch in America? Yeah, it would just be too devastating. Um, so he had even more hits after Heartbreak Hotel, songs that we've all heard and heard of, like classics Suspicious Minds, Love Me Tender, Hound Dog. I mean, there are so many. Blue Suede Shoes. Blue Suede Shoes, all shook up. It's now or never. I mean, this guy was a hit machine. Uh, he married Priscilla Presley, having his daughter Lisa Marie in 1968, though him and Priscilla divorced a few years later. Also in 19... 19- what do you think being married to Elvis was like at the peak of this? I kind of know what it was like. Um, I'm not. Come on. I'm not that crazy. Well, he met Priscilla when she was 14 years old mm. while he was in Germany in the military um, and basically brought her back to live at Graceland 
when she was like 17 or 18. Okay. Married cool, cool, her cool, fairly cool, cool, soon cool, after. Cool. And, um, uh, stopped sleeping with her after she had Lisa Marie almost like nine months to the day of their wedding um, because he didn't find her sexually viable anymore after being a mother. Mm. So that hmm. happened. So you think it was good then? I think it was rough. Um, ah. But he's a hell of a singer, Sean. Voice of an angel. <laughs> Hips of a god. Mm-hmm. In 1968, he also did his comeback concert special, Elvis. This is the black leather jumpsuit Elvis. Of course, in the kind of like, is, is he on, a, is it a theater in the round scenario? Is he like yeah. in the middle of a black box? Kind of, yeah. It's definitely like a round type of thing. And this led to an extended Las Vegas residency. In 1973, he gave the first concert by a solo artist to be broadcast globally, Aloha from Hawaii. And he continued touring until his untimely death in summer 1977. Now, this Elvis, who was doing the Vegas re residency, the concert from Hawaii, he didn't look like the Elvis who America first fell in love with, did he, Carrie? Well, over his frenzied lifetime, Elvis developed some problems. He became addicted to barbiturates. Well, now, hold on a second. The king was very <laughs> anti-drugs. I know that because he got Richard Nixon to <laughs> appoint him an honorary uh, DEA agent. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, his claim was claim to fame, if you will, was that he never did illegal drugs, uh, even pot, but he had a bad pill habit, prescription pills. He overdosed twice in 1973, sending him to the hospital both times. The first time was on sedatives, and the second was while using Demerol, and it rendered him semi-comatose. For how long? A while. <laughs> um, I don't think it was super long because they mostly kept this under wraps, but wasn't a good situation. Now, what was he on the pills for? Well, these in theory, I mean, you know, in theory, yes, these barbiturates um, were mostly like central nervous system depressants and sedatives. And we'll talk about this a little more later, but had a lot to do with his depression, his trouble sleeping, his crazy schedule. I mean, he had a lot of problems. So they thought the best thing like, oh, you can't get out of bed. The best thing is barbiturates. They that helped him stay in bed. We have the uppers and the downers. Um, the Judy Garland diet. Ah, one to wake you up, one one at Betty by time. Oh, just one, Sean. He was doing a Queen's Gambit. <laughs> Classic Queen's Gambit. And this is when Elvis became a chess champion. Is that right as well? Mm, no, unfortunately. He just saw hips moving on that ceiling. <laughs> yes, that's all he saw in his days. Um, even after his two overdoses, he didn't quit his addictions and he just kept spiraling while also maintaining a punishing touring schedule that would exhaust even like the strongest, most sober entertainers along with the pills, which again, were all prescription. So this was technically above the line stuff. It's all cool. It's cool. <laughs> it's, it's totally great. cool. King. Uh, he had a serious problem with binge eating. Now, this is kind of the joke about Elvis, right? The fat Elvis look. Yeah, we've seen him in the jumpsuit, we know. But it's, you know, this is actually a um, a mental and psychological problem is binge eating. It's just a way people cope, like with using drugs. Mm -hmm. it, they use food as a drug, as a comfort. 
He was massively overweight at the time of his death, reportedly consuming upwards of 100,000 calories every day. Well, that's no, hold on. You must have a typo somewhere there. A missed decimal place. I don't think so. 10,000? 10,000 would be so much. 10,000. I was reading about this. 10,000 is basically what someone who was like driving sled dogs in the Arctic would need to consume to stay strong. Well, it's like when you, uh, like the Michael Phelps. Powerlifting. Like the rock takes 10,000 calories, right? So maybe it's 10,000. Maybe whoever, whatever report I was reading was wrong. Because I double checked. Um, a hundred. Th- I just don't know how much butter you would have to be funneling. To <laughs> Even reach if it's ten thousand, you're that's just massive, massive amounts of food. Um, it's like ten plus Big Macs a day. Yeah, he was possibly even weighing in somewhere between like two hundred fifty to three hundred fifty pounds. Internet sources varied on this, but the minimum seemed to be two fifty at the time of his death. His favorite meals included, as many of us know, fried peanut butter, banana, and bacon sandwiches. Don't knock it till you've tried it. A fool's gold loaf. I don't know why it's called this. No, it's iron pyrite. You see, it shines like <laughs> gold. I don't, I don't think it seems tasty. Well, though. it's just as nutritional because this loaf contains an entire jar of jelly, entire jar of <laughs> peanut butter, a pound of cooked <laughs> bacon... Inside of a hollowed out sourdough loaf. Oh, do you suppose he was using an air fryer for that bacon or like a Foreman grill so you got some of the fat out? It was definitely fried, but um, he was consuming this like a sandwich, a whole loaf with all this stuff in it, like a sandwich. Did, did he just expand his mouth like like a snake or like, <laughs> like Shaggy? Like Shaggy and Scooby-Doo? Yeah. I don't know. Um, he also loved cheeseburgers, coconut cake. He was a Car- real... Carrie, you went to the Scooby-Doo sandwiches, and I went to the even older <laughs> reference of Blondie. That's because you're an old man. <laughs> um, he was like a down-home Southern boy. He loved his mother's cooking. He wasn't picky. He wasn't highfalutin with his appetites. He liked comfort food, and he needed a lot of comfort. Did Elvis um, like a bucket of chicken? Loved fried chicken. Of course he did. His manager was the colonel. Of course he loved fried chicken. (laughs) Did he give him that name because of the colonel? No. He just... The colonel gave himself that name. Was not a colonel. Um, Was he a Kentucky colonel? No. He was a, I think, German guy who was in the army, but not as a colonel. He was just like a private or whatever. Yeah. So, anyway... (laughs) These problems with food and with drugs contributed to that sort of, unfortunately, like sloppy mumbling image people have of Elvis in his final years. He was barely able to get through his concerts. And in the audio from his last shows, he's basically like slurring. He's sounding tired and really worn out. When he talks, it's 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 brutal. You, you grimace hearing it. But then there's clips of him singing in those shows. And it's like, oh, my God, he's still he still got it somehow. Can't string a sentence together. Yeah, I mean, it's really sad to hear, especially compared with, like, the energetic performances full of song and dance from even a decade before. And not only that, he still had a beautiful voice. You can hear it if you listen to his live version of Unchained Melody from just two months before his death. Um, let's play a little bit of that now. Hopefully oh, is this we the... won't get sued for yes, it. Yes, I love this video. And... 
It, it looks, and he's playing the piano here too. And he looks as though someone has just had to place his arms on the keys. Yes, I think one of the comments in this looking um, for all the world like a man who has just had his arms installed. <laughs> one of the comments on this said, um, "The devil was doing the talking, but the angel was doing the singing." Oh, great YouTube commenter! Yeah, I, I want to follow I was that like, guy. Jesus. Elvis died before his talent died. Yeah. Meatloaf couldn't do us the same courtesy. Oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, I wanted to, to play that uh, because I do want our audience to know that I'm not making fun of him in any way. Um, even if he has been made fun of a lot over the years, I really understand that he was like a man plagued by demons and his problems with pills and eating were the outlets that he used to cope with these demons. Um, I really can't fault him for trying to find some comfort in something with the entire world's eyes on him. Unfortunately, it helped lead to his death or what some people think were his death. But um, God, he's one of the best singers of all time, I think. I think it's and I, I wish all health and good luck to Mr. Loaf, by the way. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> I think the reason it's so fascinating to people and so funny to people... Um, it's because he was the sexiest man that ever existed. He was sex on two legs. It's kind of like when people were mocking Elizabeth Taylor for choking on a piece of fried chicken and getting overweight. Because she was the most beautiful person ever. And it kind of makes you feel better if it's like, wow, if Elvis and Elizabeth Taylor can get fat, I guess I'm not so bad. Or... Do we laugh because we're uncomfortable? Because because our, our gods have been taken down a peg. Even he couldn't hold it together. What chance do I have? Yeah. I'll never look like Elvis once did. He can't even... Elvis can't even look like Elvis. Yeah. I think it's a mix of both. And it's really sad, but um, God, I love his music. Uh, so these vices likely led to what is purported to be Elvis's oh death. <laughs> I'm going to go through an abbreviated... Carrie, I saw him sitting at that piano. That was a man on death's door. He wasn't doing great, Sean. Um, I'm going to go through an abbreviated account of his last day and discuss how he allegedly died. So we have a sense of what we're going into when we get to his he faked his own death conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. And this theory has been a part of pop culture since like... I don't know, maybe 1977. I mean, I remember it when I was little. I was thinking about this today in advance of recording this episode. This might be the first, and I wouldn't have even known the term conspiracy theory at the time, but this might be the first conspiracy theory I was ever really aware of. Because I remember those kinds of jokes in like kids shows and stuff, you know. Tiny Toon Adventures that had to do like an JFK. Elvis in a, yeah. I mean, that was up there. Like, I thought this was one of the king conspiracies at the time. My my poor little... Well, it was a king conspiracy. <laughs> uh, I thought, you know, it was like it. These were conspiracy theories. JFK was killed by, a, I don't know, someone else. And uh, Elvis was still alive. Those were like the ones that I, I've known forever. Um, so let's get into it, Sean. Let's get into the day he passed. Maybe. 
And I, I'll add that we obviously will also do an episode, several episodes at some point on the JFK assassination. Oh, that's a whole series, you guys. Uh, we're going to have to do a lot of research for that. And I'll add, I thought about doing one on the moon landing. Um, Question mark? Well, the thing is, those those theories, I don't know, but maybe weigh in if you're a patron or just a, just if you're, if you're interested in hearing about it, because from where I'm sitting, it's just so dumb <laughs> that it's not worth um, giving giving the time to. Anyway, sorry, back to Elvis. The day Elvis died, he was acting fairly erratically, but maybe not super out of the ordinary for someone like Elvis at the time. To begin with, he woke up at the crack of 4 p.m., which was apparently pretty usual for him. The following day, he was set to start a grueling 12-day tour, so this was kind of like his last day off for a little while. There's nothing, boy, nothing feels better than when you get out of bed at 4 p.m. Not groggy. You're just, boy, you're ready, ready to, to greet go. the day. But that was kind of his thing. He would wake up late, stay up all night, go to bed sometime in the morning. And that was just how he lived. I get it. I'm a nightman. Yeah. And, you know, it, with his lifestyle in performing, most of that stuff happens at night and then people party. And if you're traveling at night, there's less people around to hassle you, especially fans. So I get it. He spent the evening watching TV, playing with his daughter, Lisa Marie, who was at the house, and hanging out with his fiancée, Ginger Alden. Around 8 p.m., the Memphis Mafia, which Elvis called his group of friends and employees, showed up to start preparing for the tour beginning the next day. Oh, okay. You, that whole sentence confused me for a second. I thought <laughs> you meant that the actual mafia of the city of Memphis, were he called his friends and employees? Oh, no. Oh, other way around. No, he... he referred to his friends and employees his posse this certain posse as it's like the rat pack the memphis mafia now this is pretty weird around 11 p.m he went to see his dentist lester hoffman sure he well obviously a man who's concerned about his health he's making sure to take all the right steps <laughs> i mean i guess if you're elvis you can pay anyone to be on call for you at any time and his 11 p.m. was probably like hour 1 p.m. So it's, yeah, it's normal, right? And I bet the only doctors Elvis was interested in going to were the one who gave him pills mm. and the dentist. Because if something's wrong with your teeth, they hurt. Yeah, he did have a toothache. So he kind of went and got that take care, take, uh, went, got that taken care of. And was back at his home, Graceland, around 12.30 a.m. Now, this this is the 16th now. At 2.15 a.m., he calls his personal physician, a Dr. Feelgood named George Nicopolis or Dr. Nick. This is the pills one. Mm -hmm. Hi, Dr. It's Nick. It's one of the pills ones. And he incoherently kind of mumbles that he needs more painkillers. So Dr. Nick wrote out the prescription. Sure, you got you got to give your patient what they incoherently mumble for. <laughs> this prescription contained a whopping six different kinds of drugs. Now, I'm someone who has to take medication for different foibles. Yeah, and your doctors will write those things off at what six, four, five, six a clip. <laughs> Absolutely not. If I have to get maybe two, they're always separate. Like this, I mean, I saw a picture of this list. It's absurd. Two of these were amphetamines. This is the the doctor wrote this? No. Yes. Well, how can you tell what it says? <laughs> you could, weirdly. Two of these were amphetamines. So, like we said before, it seemed like he took downers to go to sleep and uppers to wake up again. And this is 
a dangerous habit that was more prevalent in like 40s, 50s, and 60s. Judy Garland. Judy Garland basically died because of it. Um, oh, but Carrie, downers and uppers go together like peanut butter and jelly and banana and bacon. And an entire sourdough loaf. He places another call to his stepbrother to ask him to pick up the prescription. Are you sure? He didn't slice the fool's gold loaf. He he wouldn't slice no, it. No, it was he would just, hollowed out. And he would hold it and just eat, eat it from end so. to end? Yeah. It's wild. We got to try <laughs> You're this. You're stuck on this. If he did it with a dinner roll. That's how we would try it, yes. Because I think the sweet and savory sounds pretty good. I mean, I'm ready to dip this whole thing in chocolate and fry it. <laughs> Tiny dinner roll, Sean. He was obtaining prescriptions from multiple sources, which is not legal. <laughs> um, but he was doing it. Surely it, he was taking safety into account and at least having them all talk to one another. <laughs> no. Hmm. At 4 a.m., he woke up his cousin, Billy Smith, and Billy's wife, Joe to go play racquetball with him and Ginger. Now, it isn't a good thing that he's exercising, but because his heart was enlarged and his arteries in his heart were narrowed by about 50%. Is that because of the current drug? Like, is that the acute effects of the drugs he was on? It was basically high cholesterol, like everything put together. This means any fitness regime should have been very carefully planned so as not to put stress on his heart. So right away, 4 a.m., he's putting stress on his heart. After the racquetball game, he went into the piano room and played for the trio, the two last songs he ever sang reportedly being Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain, which is so apropos, mm -hmm. and the aforementioned Unchained Melody. Around 5 a.m., he finally heads up to bed and found Lisa Marie still awake. He tucked her into bed and kissed her goodnight before he went to his room. So at least he got to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. He called another friend once he got there demanding more sleeping pills. And when they're delivered, he takes them to try and fall asleep. What happened to the prescription from before? It was picked up. And then he took all of the pills? He took, they're talking, they're talking here about packets of pills, is what I heard. So it's I like don't know how many are in each. His medications on an a la carte basis? <laughs> yes. So he apparently doesn't fall asleep. At 7 a.m., he calls for another packet of pills. Then he requests a third pack an hour later. So this is at least three doses of sleeping pills yes. in a three-hour period. Is he calling the same doctor? He's calling different friends to pick them up and, or bring them to him. At 9 a.m., he headed to the bathroom with severe abdominal pain. He'd been backed up, so to speak, for days. And this issue was complicated by the fact that codeine, which he was taking for his toothache, and other depressants, which were in his system, mm -hmm. slow down the digestive system. Right. And that really leads to like constipation and all sorts of bad stuff. Heroin junkies have big problems with this. Mm -hmm. At some point after entering the bathroom, he collapses to the floor. His fiancée, Ginger, wakes up in their bed around 2 p.m. and she sees that Elvis never returned from the bathroom. She goes inside to find his body on the floor, not breathing and unresponsive. Mm -hmm. So she called downstairs for help on their like intercom system or whatever. And a security guard and Elvis's road manager run upstairs to assist. His body is already stiffening and turning blue. So much so that they can't even give CPR to him because his jaw won't move. 
Rigor mortis generally starts about three to four hours after death, so Elvis was likely deceased for around five hours at Mm -hmm. this point. Paramedics arrived at Graceland around 2.33 p.m., attempted CPR, then rushed him to Baptist Memorial Hospital in Memphis, where they tried repeatedly to revive him. I mean, they did everything. But he was pronounced dead at 3 p.m. on August 16th, 1977. They even tried getting some bacon going in the hospital kitchen, just see if it would like wave it under his they nose. They didn't Michael Scott it, where he like he likes waking up to the smell of bacon, so he puts the George Foreman grill out and grills his foot. Poor Elvis. I think it's safe to say. I mean, they tried like electric, you know, like the paddles. They did everything to the point where I think his his nurse, who's also his friend or whatever, came in. She's like, "Stop doing this to him. Like he's clearly dead. Stop doing this." Well- Other than his horrible constipation, it sounds like he just sort of went to sleep on the toilet, which is not a worst case scenario for a person. Certainly not. It's not dying in a fire or some other horrible way. So he has that to be thankful for. Yeah, I guess. The world reacted in shock and horror. I mean, this was one of the most shocking events of the time. My mom even remembers when it happened and she was in Portugal at the time. Like this was a global piece of news. His autopsy was performed almost immediately at 7 p.m. the same day. But even before it was finished, a statement was released with his cause of death, which was very unusual. Some could even say suspicious. Well, Sean, we'll start talking conspiracy theories and the possible existence of an Elvis Presley death hoax after the break. (gasps) As you've heard, this very special episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie is brought to you by our favorite record store, Static Era Records. If you're local to us here in Connecticut or even coming in from New York, you can find their retail storefront just a short walk away from the Metro North Stop in downtown Milford, Connecticut, where you can bring in your own records to sell and trade. If you'd like to buy some of their records online, which we absolutely encourage you to do, go to www.staticerarecords.com. Static Era has everything. If you know the Connecticut and New York hardcore punk scene, you know Jay Reason and Static Era Records. And this is kind of a storefront for the record label, as well as stocking a bunch of other cool stuff. Uh, Records, action figures, Funko Pops, you name it. If it's rock or goth or nerdy, uh, Jay's probably got something for you in there. And it's, uh, it's just a really cool vibe of a store it's a cool place that i like to be in you can find classics there from rob zombie to springsteen to our current household favorite bat out of hell and jay even tells me they have an elvis shrine up in the shop now so go pay your respects after this episode for the man whether he's dead or not check him out at static and on instagram and facebook at static era records and don't forget to tell them ain't it scary sent you Welcome back. Caroline just got done giving us the facts and figures surrounding Elvis's life and death. But Caroline, facts are boring. <laughs> Let's get to some theory and... Conspiracy. Wild conjecture. Yes, on to part two. Let's talk some of the conspiracy theories. I'm taking some of these from an episode of the Reels channel show Case Closed with A.J. Benza, 
Funnily enough, A.J. Benza is notable for many things, possibly the least of which is sharing a place on the LIU notable alumni list with me. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I don't have any idea why I'm on it, but it does make me laugh. So thank you, LIU. Well worth the uh, money and tuition fees. My wife is an award-winning filmmaker. She's also very humble. <laughs> so the first facts relating to a possible conspiracy come the day after Elvis died. A man by the name of John Burroughs, who bore a striking resemblance to Elvis, was reportedly seen at the Memphis airport buying a ticket to Buenos Aires. <laughs> La Pascualita. Oh. Uh, John Burroughs is a known name that Elvis used when he traveled to book hotel rooms and the like. Isn't that what, what was Donald Trump's fake publicist's name? Do you remember that? I don't know. Anthony Scaramucci? I don't know. No, I think it was John something. It was like John. It might have been John Sterling. Um, <laughs> Please no. But he would like get off, get on the phone to be his own publicist. Anyway. So he used this name and it, it is recorded that he used it to book hotel rooms, things like that. So people didn't know it was Elvis Presley. There's not a lot of Elvises around. People also started to report Elvis sightings pretty quickly, including in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where a woman swore she saw Elvis in the supermarket. Then someone saw him at the Kalamazoo Burger King. Oh, wow. He's all over Kalamazoo. <laughs> yes. Uh, there were theories that he was living back at the pool house in Graceland or in California or at a ranch in Tennessee, or in Europe. He was all over the place. I mean, Carrie, it can't just be a coincidence. There can't be that many overweight brunette men in America. <laughs> well, not even America, because there were so many sightings in Ottawa, Canada alone, they renamed a street there to Elvis Lives Lane. Oh my, is that true? <laughs> it's true. Can we move there? Yes. Is it zoned for residential? Can we buy a house on Elvis Lives Lane? Look it up. Let's back up. Elvis's funeral at Graceland was held on August 18th, 1977, which some which some found suspicious because it was only 48 hours after his death. And that's pretty quick, especially for such a big event. For Elvis's funeral? Yeah. What if he was, was he Jewish? If he was Jewish, no. do you have to get him down, uh, I, I think within 24 hours, get him 48? down. No, he wasn't Jewish. Some people thought that this was because they were trying to cover up the body. The National Enquirer bribed one of Elvis's cousins to take a photo of Presley while he laid in his coffin, which they printed on the front page of their highest selling issue ever. According to some, this photo doesn't look quite right, with the hairline and chin being off. But to me, it looks like Elvis, but, you know, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I've never seen him in life. Here's, here's the picture, Sean. It's nothing gruesome. Oh, you know what? That's not... I was expecting it to be more exploitive and, um, you know, I was expecting to be madder about that, but th that's fine. I mean, it's shitty what they did, but it's not horrific, you know? It does look like Elvis to me. P <laughs> from this angle, for the listener, it, it's not a top-down, like, straight-on shot of his face. No, it's, it's a profile um, of his face kind of peeking out of the coffin a little bit. As if you were in the front row of, like, the waiting chairs yeah in, at a wake in a wake yeah um, um it looks like it to me some people were swearing in interviews it looks nothing like him i it it looks like elvis if you say it looks nothing like him <laughs> you are absolutely lying <laughs> 
Elvis's father, Vernon, had also apparently called some of Elvis's fan club to ask that they oh. not. I will say the Undertaker did a wonderful job because it looks, if anything, just a little younger and yeah. handsomer than Elvis was at this point. Yeah, it does look younger. So Elvis's father had also apparently called some of his fan clubs to ask that they not attend the funeral, leading some in those clubs to wonder whether this was because they would recognize the man in the coffin was not the king. <laughs> uh-huh. It, it could be. And some people who actually did attend the funeral did think the body looked weird, almost waxy, with glued-on looking sideburns and, ha and hands and a nose that didn't look correct. A couple people looked at the body and even saw sweat on it. What is that supposed to tell us? Well, it's supposed to tell us that corpses don't sweat, so what? So are they saying it was a living person in the box? Because if not, then what are you talking... Like, what, what does this tell us? Well, I'm about to get to one of the theories. Uh-oh. The coffin required <gasps> about... Is this Garen's revenge? <laughs> Garen Cockrell? No, what was what was his brother's name? Uh, Jesse Garen Presley. Oh, it was Jesse Garen. Is this Jesse's revenge? Yes, it's the ghost of a stillborn baby. Could be. Read on. Read on. I'll reserve my judgment. The coffin required about eight men to carry it, and people wondered why even eight men seemed to strain under the weight. Elvis was admittedly obese, but eight full-grown men? That seems like a lot to struggle with this coffin. Speculation began that the body in the coffin was actually a wax dummy of Elvis, and that the weight came from an air conditioner set inside the coffin to keep it from melting in the Memphis heat. Why wouldn't they just use something that didn't melt so easily well then what are you using a person and you're expecting them not to look like they're breathing just put a rubber put rubber over the over the top of the wax well i rubber assume mask. because the wax looks more realistic mm -hmm. um so that could be where the quote-unquote sweat came from is the is some of it still managing to melt but they thought there there was an air conditioning unit concealed inside the coffin. Some sort of fans. And that's why it was so heavy. Because, again, this is 1977. You don't have these little compact little things. You certainly don't. In fact, I would direct you to how big our central air system is for our house <laughs> yes. out in the back. You, it's not fitting in a coffin. Mm -hmm. Now, where do you get a wax figure to bury on such short notice, Sean? Well, you're making it from scratch, right? You have to. It has to look like the king. <laughs> or... Vernon Presley and others purchased an already existing dummy of Elvis from an Atlanta museum to sub out for Elvis himself. Please, please, Carrie, tell me that in 1977, an Elvis wax figure was also stolen from a wax museum. <laughs> there in was no thievery, but someone said that there was some sort of auction. I couldn't really follow up that much because it's Atlanta in 1977. There's not a lot of records. Someone said. Someone said. A photo was taken at Graceland's pool house in December 1977 that some people believed to be Elvis peering out from behind a window. Now, the photo hasn't been doctored, according to Kodak, who analyzed it, so it really is of someone. But was it the king? Let's take a look at this here. So it looks like a guy with dark, kind of longer hair, wearing those aviator-type sunglasses, sitting... In this pool house. This is amazing, Carrie. You've proved that Jim Morrison was alive <laughs> at Elvis's house in 1977. <laughs> I mean, someone was. That's just someone with long hair and sunglasses, though. Yes. And I assume many members of the Memphis Mafia had the same look. 
my favorite absurd sighting of Elvis is in the beloved children's holiday comedy Home Alone. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm familiar with this one because I'm married to you. <laughs> well, I did point it out while we were watching, like, you know what people believe? Um, yeah, the scene where Catherine O'Hara demands a ticket to get home to her son in the airport, or one of those scenes. This is just before she meets John Candy's character. Many feel that it's Elvis Presley himself standing behind her in line as a nameless extra. He has a beard, um, he's a bit more than 10 years older, and he's definitely slimmed down. It, to my eyes, this doesn't look like Elvis. I think I said to you at the time, what? Why? <laughs> yeah. Now, oddly, Home Alone director Chris Columbus had previously directed the movie Heartbreak Hotel about some kids who try to kidnap Elvis, but that seems to be where the coincidences end. Now, if he had directed Heartbreak Hotel, the Elvis film. <laughs> that would be wild, and he'd be very old. There's a connection. <laughs> yeah, the guy doesn't look too much like Elvis to me. Um, he's got a, a slightly rounder face, dark hair, dark beard, blue eyes. But not every guy, not every dyed brown, black-haired guy with blue eyes is Elvis Presley. Now, men's faces do. <laughs> I mean, I wish, but you know, <clears throat> men's faces do often get rounder as they age. But it's because they're gaining weight, not losing it. Yes, and he looks the average weight for someone between I don't know forty and fifty. So why would he show his face on film after faking his death? Well, that's the best part. That, that's right? a decision, right? You don't just stumble into an airport and they're filming with Catherine O'Hara and you stand behind her. No, he's a featured extra. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, why would he uh, Why would he do it? As a fun little clue to fans? Well, some fans do believe that he did leave clues before and after his quote-unquote death to the fact that his death was a fake. Carrie, if I may, to what possible end? <laughs> why would he? Why would he do that? Um, because it's fun, Sean. I, mean, I, I guess the Zodiac and Jack the Ripper both sent letters to police, supposedly, so. Yes. And this is not the only death conspiracy that involves heavy cluing. We will get into another one of those with Paul is dead another time. Right. So maybe it's just the thrill. The it's, thrill Elvis gets of almost yes, getting caught. Exactly. Elvis's name on his own gravestone was strangely spelled wrong. With two A's in Aaron, his middle name, rather than the unusual spelling that he was given at birth, A-R-O-N. I don't want to, you know, cast aspersions or, or paint with a broad brush here. But Elvis's buddies might not have been the sharpest tools in the shed. <laughs> his father was still alive and he knew how to spell it. Um, I think it was a reference to his deceased brother, uh, Jesse Guerin. Presley, G-A-R-O-N. So that's why it was spelled that way. The argument is that since Elvis was into symbolism, and he was a very superstitious guy, he refused to put his actual correct name on the tombstone when he was hoaxing his death so he wouldn't be tempting fate to kill him in real life. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. This tombstone engraving, which remains to this day, is almost always listed at a, as a big touchpoint for conspiracy clues. Well... If he was buried, was the tombstone up two days later when he was buried? Yeah. So they did it in a hurry. Or he had it ready ahead of time, in which case the superstition thing could come into play. Or they had it ready ahead of time because he knew he was faking his death. Sure, but I'm just saying he could have done that not because he was faking his own death. 
It's strange for a 40-something-year-old man to have a tombstone already made. You've seen the video, Carrie. He was on death's door. (laughs) Another supposed clue was that Elvis had no jumpsuits prepared for the tour he was literally about to go on. Like he was about to leave the next day. Did he even plan on going on the tour at all? Well, I wonder if Elvis's waistline was changing so uh, dramatically and so quickly at this point that he had to have just a tailor on tour with him. Possibly. Potentially sewing jumpsuits in around him while he's <laughs> performing. Some reports state that Elvis called his friend Ellen Foster shortly before his death and told her he would not be going on the imminent tour. She inquired whether he was sick or if everything was all right, and he replied that everything would be just fine and don't ask any more questions. Two days after this call, Elvis was dead, and up to that point, the tour had still been a go. Okay, okay. Another clue. It seems Elvis withdrew a million dollars from his bank the day before he died, which another TV show told me was most of the money that he had available on hand. He had other liquid assets or whatever, but that's what he had in the bank because he had financial problems. Shorty, I want you to take this all down and uh, buy me some more sleeping pills. (laughs) Now, was this withdrawal in preparation for starting a new life off the grid? Elvis made a quip at one of his last concerts that could have been an eerie foreshadowing of his own fate, if you think he really died. Or a subtle hint to his future plans. He said, quote, I may not look good now, but wait until you see how good I look in my coffin. You have a better Elvis impersonation than me. But it's an interesting quote, you know. I thought yours was great. I'm just trying to grapple with that. Line. I mean, that to me is a man who thinks he's going to die soon. He knows he's not in good health. Yeah, it's a strange thing to think you'll you'll look better dead. Well, he'll look better than if he had died at like age ninety. I guess, yeah. And in that but way, but maybe he, you know, it, it's always weird when someone seems to prophesy their own death. Could he have been misquoting that old line: "Live fast, die young, and leave a beautiful corpse." I mean, that's not even close to what the quote is, so... I know, but you've seen the video, Carrie. This man was close to death. He didn't know what was going on. The medical examiner's report has him listed at 170 pounds at death, even though he was easily closer to 250 pounds or more. Was that just one last yes man (laughs) act by one of Elvis's sycophants? Like, well, I don't think the king would have wanted me to write 280. It does seem like a huge error. Um, Was a different body autopsy? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Well, according to Joel Gilbert, director of the absurd mockumentary Elvis Found Alive, (laughs) which I can't even begin to go into at this moment, the handwriting on the death certificate was eerily similar to Elvis's own. (gasps) I saw the medical examiner on a TV show I watched about this, and he seemed like a pretty normal stand-up dude, but anyone can get involved in a conspiracy, right? I mean, I guess. Apparently, Elvis filling out his own death certificate explains the huge disparity in death weight versus actual weight because he would have preferred to be listed as slimmer than he really was, aka simple vanity. Sure, but the doctor might have done that for him without him even having to ask. Like, I'm sure when Tom Cruise dies, his death certificate will say five foot nine. (laughs) Elvis's million dollar Lloyd's of London life insurance policy was also never cashed out, 
which is really strange. It's not a piddling amount of money, and Elvis had very... Elvis had many financial issues later in his life that forced him into his grueling tour schedule. He had to stay able to make his lavish purchases and support the people who lived with and worked for him. So there was a lot of people depending on him. And 50% of everything he made went to his manager, Colonel Tom Parker. One of the worst deals ever made. The Colonel. <laughs> so he didn't even make all of his own money. Um, no. Now, you, I say, you Elvis, you only get a part of these here bills, and you can take that down to your mama and make her life better for Well, I get myself a bucket I of chicken. I hate him. He was getting Cajun at the end. <laughs> if the people around Elvis were saddled with his debts and financial commitments after his death, why didn't this policy get cashed out? Well, if he was really still alive... Doing so would have been insurance fraud, and apparently Elvis was playing by the rules. Well, was he? Because uh, also faking your own death is still fraud. Yeah. <laughs> Unless Lisa Marie decides to release the autopsy report, possibly in 2027, 50 years after Elvis's death, the report remains sealed, which makes people suspicious. They want to see the facts. So maybe the king did have the resources to pull something like this off. But would he actually have walked away from his family, friends, and his stardom? He he didn't have any money. We just established he didn't have the resources to do this. He had at least a million dollars, which he took out of the bank. Some of his family and friends, including his cousin Billy Smith, who saw him on his last day alive, told a story of Elvis confiding to them that he wanted to escape his celebrity and the pressure that came with being Elvis Presley. The only way he'd be able to get away from his fans, his record contract, and his financial entanglements with Colonel Tom Parker would be to die. Or maybe just to appear to. Okay. <laughs> According to Patrick Lacey, author of Elvis Decoded, A Fan's Guide to Deciphering the Myths and Misinformation, there is a story out there that Elvis and co. found a man named Scott, who was dying of cancer... And who was willing to put his body in place of Elvis's near the end of his life. So that when Scott eventually died, his body would be mistaken for Elvis's and people would believe that Presley had really died. Scott got plastic surgery to look like Elvis, stepped into his shoes, and when he died in the king's place, Elvis would secretly take care of Scott's family financially for the rest of their life. How long did he have to be Elvis I don't know, till he died. No, I, but I mean, at what point do you think they replaced him? Just that night? <laughs> I'm not sure. Was it Elvis went into the bathroom and then they swapped out through the window? <laughs> nah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Did Scott kiss Elvis's kid uh, goodnight? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know when this is supposed to have happened. Now, who's the source of this outlandish tale? Well, along with Memphis Mafia member Marty Lacker, Billy Smith himself. This is Elvis's own flesh and blood. This admission is recounted in the book, Elvis's DNA Proves He Is Alive, by Bill Beanie. This sounds like a reasonable account. Yeah, he loves to-the-point titles. When questioned by ElvisInfoNet.com, however, Marty Lacker said, quote, Bill Beanie is a nutcase, and I told him that to his face years ago. The story Billy and I wrote was fiction, and it was presented to the London newspaper it appeared in as fiction. 
Fools like Beanie like to use that for their own ludicrous agenda. He's really not worth the effort talking about it. Elvis died on August 16th, 1977. It was witnessed and documented, and an autopsy was performed on his body by reputable doctors in Memphis. The lead doctor is beyond reproach and enjoys a great reputation in the medical field. The people who foster the idiocy that Elvis faked his death are idiots or conmen. Not mincing words. Yeah, so apparently Marty Lacker and Billy Smith wrote this weird little story with this cancer patient. Replacing Elvis? Yes. Oh, okay. As a lark, as fiction, <laughs> it's a weird thing to do about your dead friend slash cousin. Yeah. Well, maybe, it, I mean, maybe people work out grief in weird ways, I guess. Well, they did. And uh, an English newspaper picked it up as fact. And apparently it never went away after that. Because one of the guys who wrote it was like, yeah, it was real. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he seems pretty emphatic that it's not real, but maybe he's uh, trying to cover up his own slip. Billy Smith, for his part, has had a couple of responses. Speaking on his son Danny Smith's YouTube channel, Memphis Mafia Kid, Billy said, quote, this question, is Elvis still alive? Well, let me say this. How this got started was we actually talked one night of Elvis changing places. He was showing me a picture of himself, and he said, does this look like me? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, it's not. This guy's had a facelift to look like me. I said, Elvis, now you can fool a lot of people, but no, that's you. That's not somebody else. So he said, I could swap places with this person, and no one would ever know the difference. And I said, again, I know the difference. I know this picture is of you and not somebody else. So he's kind of teasing fans here, Billy, with the carrot of like a possible body swap. I, I guess. Or at least the story still. He's not letting it go. Right. But he also took, told the UK newspaper Express as recently as January of this year that he's sensed his cousin's spiritual presence in Graceland like as a ghost. Okay, so... Which trends toward the idea that he probably thinks the king is truly dead. Yeah. Yeah, I would say you usually can't see people's ghosts until until they die. So maybe Elvis didn't want to escape his family or the fame. But what if he wanted to fake his own death to save his life? <gasps> the ultimate irony. <laughs> the mafia. Not the, the Memphis, Memphis mafia? Not the Memphis variety apparently wanted Elvis gone. A longtime theory surrounding Elvis's death is that Elvis was an undercover agent for the FBI. Well, we know about his um, DEA status. Yes, he met President Richard Nixon in 1970 and requested a badge and to be made a special agent at large. This is true. Yep. And he was. But this theory also claims that after this meeting, Elvis really did take this position as an honorary drug enforcement agent very seriously. Probably. <laughs> Over the next five years, he was rumored to have set up various stings at his concerts and hotels to entrap mafia drug dealers that had been expecting to sell some nose candy and the like to Elvis. Oh, they don't know the king doesn't play like that. Mm -mm. Apparently, he was the instigator of... This part of the war on drugs and the mafia in those years and the mafia caught on to the scheme because their guys kept on getting arrested at Elvis concerts uh -huh. and they wanted him taken care of. So Elvis went into pr witness protection. Just stop selling your shit at Elvis concerts. <laughs> to Elvis. <laughs> to Elvis. Yeah. Not a good customer. Well, they wanted to kill him. 
Now, remember Bill Beanie, he of the Elvis DNA book and uh, also the former curator of the Missouri Elvis is Alive Museum? By the way, sting me once, shame on you. Sting me twice. You know, that's the mob's fault at that point. Sorry, go ahead. I do not endorse this claim. Don't come after me. <laughs> so do you remember Bill Beanie? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> he really does think he's proven Elvis is alive using some of Presley's DNA that he's obtained. Oh, so Bill has dedicated his entire life to this premise at this point? Yeah. Here, let okay. me let me bring up a picture of Bill Beanie. Bill seems technically a lot sadder than Elvis. Are you sure? Oh boy, Gomez Adams really <laughs> let himself go. So that's Bill Beanie. He compared some DNA that he says comes from Elvis to some of the DNA from Elvis's coffin that he somehow obtained, and there was no match. He argued that the chain of possession is intact and he can document whose hands each of these pieces of DNA came into contact with. But some people who've worked with him have given different stories to how those DNA samples were obtained. Ew. <laughs> so if you believe Beanie, that might be proof enough that Elvis is still alive. But you'd have to take his word for it because he hasn't publicly released his proof. Well, there also would have to be, I mean, there's other ways DNA could have gotten into the coffin. Sure. There I were mean, other people standing around the coffin, touching sure. it, working on the body. Yeah. I wasn't totally sure where he got these things um i didn't buy his book but whatever he said they came from doctors different doctors yeah different doctors Just doctors elvis had a lot of doctors we know that <laughs> the big question is though has the king truly left the building oh. this is this whole episode was written around that line yes Continue. <laughs> let's review let's refute some of these conspiracy clues First of all, apparently the Memphis airport wasn't even doing international flights in 1977, so no one, not even the king in disguise, could come in and get a ticket to Argentina. Okay. So that means he had to fly to Europe then? <laughs> no international flights. Okay, so he had to fly to New York. Sure. Also, the Lloyds of London insurance policy may not even exist. Elvis uh, is said to be have it been intending to get it, but it's not known for sure if he did. And it would be sealed because it was never taken out if he did do it. However, Vernon Presley did receive Elvis's Social Security death benefit and did deposit it into the estate's account. Okay. So, so if the real concern here was like insurance fraud. Right. It's too not late. Like, yeah. Now, what about that misspelled tombstone? Mm-hmm. It seems pretty egregious with family and friends all around, especially his father. Yeah. Well, Presley apparently switched over later in life to the more common A-A-R-O-N spelling of Aaron. And that is why they did it. Oh, that's it. That's, that's just what he was doing. Yeah. This okay. is according to his family, right? So. Sure. Take him with a grain of salt. Well, they're defending him because they know that he's. Alive. Alive. <laughs> Let's also discuss the medical examination, which may not be public knowledge, like the autopsy report, but was reviewed in the Elvis episode of the TV show Autopsy, The Last Hours Of. Mm. Was he really in as bad condition health-wise as had been reported? I don't know. <laughs> was he? <laughs> According to the examination, Elvis's liver was fatty, which was a marker that it wasn't working correctly, and that fat was failing to be processed. 
It was extremely enlarged, twice the normal weight of a human liver, even though it wasn't specifically diseased. Oh, cool. So he had like a super liver. Super big liver. Yeah. And you said his heart was big too, right? He so, had several enlarged organs. Great. So like they must work better than the normal kind. Yeah, sure. More heart, more pumping. Worked harder for sure. In the opinion of Dr. Richard Shepard on autopsy, a fatty liver is most commonly a signifier that the person is abusing alcohol, drinking upwards of a liter a day. However, Elvis wasn't really a drinker. He didn't like any of that stuff really, except for prescription pills. Right. But so excluding that, the next most likely cause would be the abuse of prescription drugs. Yeah, medicine. Yeah, you, you, your liver, you're giving your liver a lot to process. Mm -hmm. Elvis had chronic insomnia, which contributed to his dependence on sedatives and had four different sleeping pills in his system when he died. Yeah, we know. He kept sending buddies out to get more. <laughs> yeah. He had extremely high levels of codeine in his system likely a result of pain from his toothache. And he also had a secret eye condition, glaucoma, which is very painful. So he's constantly treating his pain. Well, so the one thing he should have been taking was pot for the glaucoma. <laughs> Along with all of that, he had meperidine in his system, which is an opioid with similar effects to heroin that directly affects the brain to control pain. As we said, many of his organs were enlarged, and this included his colon, which was almost double its size and full of like a chalky clay. I didn't even know that could happen with a colon. Yes, because he likely hadn't had a bowel movement in days at the very least. Mm. So it was just enlarging and enlarging in his colon. And it would have been very, very painful. According to autopsy, it's the opinion of forensic pathologist Dr. Richard Shepard that Elvis did indeed die from cardiac arrhythmia, as listed on his death certificate. But most people are listed as that if they have, if they just drop down dead or whatever. Mm -hmm. But this would be due to complications from his enlarged and failing heart, compounded by the strain of trying to clear his bowel blockage. Mm. So as he strained in that way, attempting to use the bathroom... He put pressure on his heart, and it, this pressure increased dramatically, and it was too much for him to withstand, and he went into cardiac arrest. So he survived the squash or whatever he was playing the previous day, but the... It might have made things worse, because his heart was already working hard from that. But Shepard stated that there were so many things wrong with Elvis, health-wise, he was on the verge of collapsing and dying at any moment leading up to his death. That just happened to be the one. From any number of things, yeah. too. Could have been an overdose, could have been... Liver failure. Yeah. Would have taken longer, I guess, but... Yeah. So, Sean, knowing all of this, do you think Elvis Presley faked his death, or do you think he really did pass away on August 16th, 1977? I think Elvis is super dead. But, <laughs> but I... He doesn't have to be super dead. No, he's like real dead. <laughs> Um, because again, I just don't know why, if you were having money trouble, why wouldn't you just continue to tour? He didn't have the money to retire. Because he was literally dying. Right. That's why I think he died. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, there's nothing super compelling to me here. Um, I actually thought there probably would be more because of all the sightings and things like that over the years. But it seems a lot like wishful thinking. I think people loved him. 
and um, grew up with him probably from the 50s to the 70s, a lot of them. And the idea of him dying relatively young um, was horrifying to them. And I think clinging on to the idea that he was still out there somewhere living a happy life in obscurity um, is much better than the reality. Yeah, it's like trying to grapple with the idea that Santa Claus or God or David Bowie is dead. Right. There's a, a there's an unfairness about it. And um, I don't know. These people, at least Bowie, these people that seem so larger than life to not be in life anymore. It seems strange and unnatural and hopefully untrue. Man, I could really go for a peanut butter and banana now. Small roll, Sean. Small roll. This episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie is brought to you by Hunt a Killer. Do you have what it takes to go into the mind of a serial killer? The body? The soul? Or perhaps to solve a horrific case? When you join Hunt a Killer... You receive a box of cryptic clues mailed to you each month to test your detective skills and challenge even the most brilliant minds in a game designed to give you a journey into the mind of a killer so you can escape, and I hope you escape, with the answers that you need. Input our code SCARYSQUAD20 for 20% off. That's SCARYSQUAD20, S-C-A-R-Y-S-Q-U-A-D-2-0 for 20% off when you sign up for your first subscription box at huntakiller.com and find out if you have the guts to hunt a killer. That's again, SCARYSQUAD20 for 20% off. Hunt a killer. Join the hunt today. Let's take another trip to our favorite place, the Bizarre Bazaar. Oregon authorities are investigating another group of bizarre cattle mutilations in a series of strange occurrences that have been plaguing the state for the last few years. Ooh. Cattle mutilations are the most horrifying of possible alien <laughs> phenomena. Yeah. The Crook County Sheriff's Office released a press release on Facebook March 6th that stated they were investigating multiple mysterious cattle deaths in Crook County within rural ranch land and public BLM land. The release states that... Black the, Lives Matter? I don't think so. Uh, they didn't elaborate, but... The release states that the cause of these cattle deaths were not natural and asked stock growers to be vigilant in checking on their animals and to report any suspicious activity. At least five cattle mutilation cases were reported last year in Oregon, and there was an additional incident in 2019 where another five animals, I think in the same farm or on the same day, it was like a group, were killed in a similar violent fashion. In the 2019 incident, five bulls apparently dropped dead of their own accord with no signs of struggle, poison, lightning strike, shooting, or obvious killing. Suicide pact. <laughs> they all bit into their uh, uh, cyanide capsules Well, because their mission had been completed. Sean, they each had their tongues and genitals removed with surgical precision. No one has yet been found to be the culprit for any of these killings, but as we know... 
Many people think that aliens are the ones to blame in cattle mutilation deaths. Well, it sounds like someone had some great tacos. You get some tongue, <sighs> some uh, genitals. Absolutely not. I've had tongue tacos. I have not had genital tacos. I'm going to leave that one alone. We'll keep you all updated if Crook County releases any more information. Mmm, tacos. That's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't It Scary and check out our website at ain'titscary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash scary. And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be forever grateful. Uh, that's a thing that we say at the end of every show, so it can start to just uh, blend in, but it really does help. Uh, and it's also exciting every time we see one pop up. <laughs> exactly. Please do it. If, if you're listening. <laughs> if you like it. If you don't like the show. Uh, we never want to hear your opinion about it. <laughs> no. Um, Constructive uh, criticism is fine, um, but the reviews on Apple Podcasts especially is how we get seen. It's how I choose to listen to a show so um if you think other people would like us then um help them find us that would be great not to scold you we love what you're doing already if you'd like you can join us over on patreon but no pressure at all we do of course thank our tier three patrons nate curtis sean o'donnell jared chamberlain maria ferrante and our single one and only tier four <laughs> patron robin mccabe who birthed me hi mom i love you <laughs> see you next thursday show created by sean and carrie mccabe music by kyle ryan you can check kyle out over at his youtube channel music is a verb it's a very cool place with lots of cool content kyle is also a father starting this week so congratulations to him and to his wife nikki we love you this has been a production of long boy media